0: Welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where Senator Amanda Stoker has a laugh with friends and colleagues, cuts through the bull and explores the issues of the day. Let's get to the bottom of it all.
1: Hello, I'm Amanda Stoker and this is Just Quietly, a podcast where we talk about some of the big issues of the day um, in ways that I hope break it down and make it simple and hopefully a little bit of fun. And so today I have with me a friend and colleague, Senator Alex Antich, although sometimes I go to call you Antich. Do you have a preference? I I
0: respond to both. Okay. Um, So, And I can't honestly tell you which one's more correct than others. I think actually you were right the first time, but somehow... Um, the family's just laundered into Antich, so we'll go with either. Okay. Let's mix it up, in fact.
1: So, Antich. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've had um, this week an announcement from Labor that they are going to target a zero net emissions status for Australia by 2050. And obviously that's different to the Coalition's policy mm. and Labor's trying to make out that um, this is somehow superior. Mm. It's It's a bit funny, I reckon, because... I mean, you can go the bird in the hand. You've got the coalition who have a clear 2030 target. It's based on the Paris commitments. Now, some people like those, some people don't, but um, it represents, I think, a good middle ground between um, the people who demand climate action right this second and, you know, everybody must go back to the Stone Ages immediately um, versus the people who think it's all a bit of nonsense, right? It's a good middle ground that... um, manages people's concern about being precautionary um, and balances it against people's um, need for a job, need for economic growth, need for certainty. And, um, you know, it's the kind of moderate, sensible, run-of-the-mill even-handedness you'd expect from a grown-up government. Right. I don't know. Tell me if you disagree, right? Oh, got your, you're
0: got you right <laughs> on so far. It's it's pragmatism.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, it's pragmatic and it brings people together. Mm-hmm. And... You know, in, in many ways, Labor lost the last election because their climate policy was extreme economic vandalism and they've kind of doubled down for a bit more. Um, what do you reckon they're going on with about this? I mean, it doesn't seem to make sense if they're learning the lessons of the last election.
0: Look, it doesn't. I, I don't know, to be quite honest. And I, and I can only assume that, um, you know, the Labor Party are, are, are wedged on this. You know, they they, they, they seem to have this... A reluctance to to learn the lesson of the last election i mean you know you and i both were out out and about and we yeah. all heard it we all heard what people were saying you know if you if you listen to twitter uh which i try not to but <laughs> if you do uh you get one very different story than you get when you actually go out and talk to real people and 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 we saw that of course last night with the news poll uh, with the with the uh, uh the 35 percent of people only that believe that You know, the the climate change was the result reason why uh, the bushfires were so severe. So, you know, if you'd asked Twitter that question, you would have got a very different question. So, uh, answer, I should say. So, look, I I agree with you. Um, uh, At the end of the day, you know, these are. Uh, finite resources, uh, they are fossil fuels, they are things which we want to preserve as much as we can and I think reducing emissions where you can sensibly is makes a lot of sense but we don't want to be wrecking the economy to do that and to go before the people of Australia and say right well we're going to have uh, zero emissions by 2050, can't tell you what it's going to cost uh, but uh, we're going to do it anyway, it strikes me as being heroic. I mean, it's almost, you know, so so look, I... I let, let, like let, Sir Humphrey kind of yeah. courageous. <laughs> so let's let it go. I mean, I think it's great. Uh, you know, for them, let, let them tread that path. Um, you have to learn the lessons of history, and I, it doesn't sound like they have learned. It. In the meantime we'll just keep doing what we do which is um you know responsibly managing the economy responsibly addressing the issue of re- emissions reduction um and and doing so in a manner that we can take to the Australian people and say hey you know we're not we're not going to um, throw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: One thing that's really interesting about the target they've put forward is that it's based on a CSIRO report um that worst case scenario models everything mm. for a start. Right. And um Even then, it's not economic modelling. So it doesn't tell us anything about the knock on effects of this policy on other parts of the economy. Right. And so if we break that down and see what that means, um, you know, currently we've got renewables at um, 16% of our energy makeup, right? Mm. It's the second highest rate in the world. So, you know, for people who are concerned about this, that's something to be proud of. Mm, That's great. Um, It's so high, though, that it is causing kind of a risk to the stability of the network.
0: That's and not so good. <laughs> that is not so good, right? <laughs>
1: and as we go towards 2030, we are expecting that to get to about 40%. Yep. Um, so people keep talking about how renewables are the cheapest thing on the market at the moment. Well, that's true. We're, we're forced at the moment to shut down during you know the middle of the day yeah. solar production in many solar farms to the point at which it's becoming a bad investment because okay. um, we can't, as a network – manage um, the way that solar moves through the system. Now, um, I, I don't purport to be a technical expert on, on how, the, ele- well how the electrons so move around, but, <laughs> um, you know, it means that the Energy Security Board, which has a degree of independence and it sort of does a bit of fact-checking on this stuff, says that um, we don't really have a problem in most of the country with um, supply. Generally, supply is meeting demand, at least in – Um, the states other than Victoria, South Australia and New South Wales, although that that doesn't bode well for you because you're a South Australian, right? That's
0: true, that's true. You're (laughs) you're looking at someone that lived through the, you know, almost 48-hour blackout that we had uh, as a result of this. I mean, people will argue with that, but the truth is, you know, it came from blowing up coal-fired power and it's as simple as that. So, um, look, there are obviously a a host of issues that come with that renewable path. Um, Some of them you've mentioned there. Of course, at the end of the day, we know that this power doesn't, uh doesn't roll out when the wind isn't blowing and the sun's not shining. So and, and I'm with you the, the, the technology of this is very very difficult but the premise is quite simple. Uh, and so you know uh, we, we 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 have to be very cautious rolling down that path too quickly I think. And that, and my, and the experience yeah. in my home state shows that. We were I think with the it test does. case.
1: Well, I mean the energy security board has said that we're doing okay in terms of um, managing the reliability of energy supply in the sense that generally speaking, apart from a few key peaks, um, supply is meeting demand, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, the stability of the network is at risk. Mm-hmm. And so we've had to make big investments in upgrading that because yep. we, we're we not working with a system that was ever designed to have two-way flow of energy through solar. It was That's never right. designed to have electric cars draw down on it. And That's right. That. Um, and then... We've got the price measure as well, which has said that the coalition's policies are successfully driving down price, and yep. it's expecting to keep going down by about 7% a year, yep. which is kind of exciting. Mm. Um, the point I'm getting to is this. <laughs> kind of slowly, right? <laughs> no, it's good. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're picking it apart bit by bit. I love it.
1: The report they've used to model this is the CSIRO one. Um but it doesn't economically model it. The best comparison we've got for modeling this policy is from New Zealand Labour's commitment to do the the 2050 net zero emissions thing. Yep. Now, it's pretty clear that uh, Mr Albanese wants to try and do everything that Jacinta Ardern is doing. Like have you noticed that pattern he seems it's, to be doing a bit of a copycat thing going bit, yeah. on. Yeah. Even his ads are, are mimicking what what she does yeah. which is quite interesting. But yep. um, when you, when you do the modelling from that, you go, well, this promise they've made cannot be met. Mm. It cannot be met because um, we've already got instability in the grid at 16%. Um, you cannot get to net zero with renewables alone. It just doesn't work. Mm. The grid collapses. Um, it does not – it's like a physical impossibility. Yep. Um, so how are they going to do it? They're either going to have to um, shut down – Transport, shut down uh, mining, shut down agriculture. Agriculture is a big one. Huge. Um, And they're also going to have to buy carbon credits, essentially, from overseas. Um, So we're going to send Australians money overseas. And jobs. And their jobs. That's it. And the answer is they're probably going to have to do both Right to meet that target. This is insane. It's
0: insane. It just doesn't stack up. They're all of our wealth-creating industries. I mean, at the end of the day, what you've just described is still the backbone of this country. So these are not... Um, these are not easy targets to meet without doing serious – they're not possible targets to meet without doing serious and irreparable damage to all of the things you've just described, mining, agriculture, you know, tourism, transport, you name it.
1: And they go, you know, well, New Zealand can do it. Why can't we do it? Mm. New Zealand exempted all agriculture, which yeah. accounts for 50% of their emissions. Yep. The EU exempted, you know, Poland and and countries that do coal mining. Mm, that's right. <laughs> like the, yeah. You can't do this stuff without harming, as you say, the the backbone of this country. So that brings us, I suppose, to um, the need for a bit of of out-of-the-box thinking on this. And um, you and I have talked before Mm. about um, an enthusiasm you have, which I share, uh, for the idea that we should consider as a country the role that nuclear energy can play in this mix. Um, How do you reckon we go about helping people understand the benefits
0: well, look, it's, a very wise person said to me um, many years ago that this actually is a debate which needs to be instilled in little kids, primary school. Um, there well, has like been, they did with climate
1: change? Yeah, well, <laughs> we can turn
0: it around. We can turn it around and go the other way. But look, I mean, you know, it is that sort of thing. Unfortunately, nuclear power, and the term nuclear power in itself, has simply attracted uh, unwarranted attention. And it's done largely through, you know, pop culture and media. We've seen recent... Um, you know, Netflix shows on Chernobyl and this terrible, you know, terrible tragedy. And look, at the end of the day, those things are real; they happened, uh, and they are not desirable. But the truth of the matter is that um, nuclear power has a lot to offer. You know, it's got a lot to offer in terms of this country, other countries all over the world. Um, there are uh, examples that you can you can bring, which show very clearly that this should be something that we should we should be considering in this country. In my view. Um, of course, we both know that just after Christmas, uh, the uh, House Standing Committee on you know, Nuclear Energy um, it r- released its report and uh, found, in in broad terms, I mean it's a very detailed, very comprehensive report, but found in de- in 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 broad terms that um, we should be reconsidering the moratorium on nuclear power generation in this country, and we should be educating people as to the benefits because ultimately, you do have to, to coin a phrase, take people along this ride with you, and and and. Um, uh, Rear Admiral Kevin scarce who led the Royal Commission in South Australia back in 2015 into this very um, question um, was quoted in there as having said the more people that I spoke to about this um, the more people thought this was a quite a quite a reasonable idea you know when you explain to people that this is a very safe um, Potentially in, in coming years, very cost effective and ultimately um, zero emission um, form of baseload energy. Back to your original point about uh, renewables and the um, you know the intermittent nature of same, um, they start to realise the penny starts to drop. And and what I've always found quite interesting about the whole example is why it is particularly the green left in this country don't want to know about it. And and, and that's something. I mean, you know, you might have a, a take on that. I've I've got a couple of little you know uh theories in in my mind but it is intriguing isn't it i mean this is this this theoretically we're told we're in a climate emergency and yet and yet (laughs) and and we're told that you know we've got all you know all sorts of different options for power this exists it's right here right Mm. now and 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 yet they're still reluctant so i don't know what do you think What, what what do you think the reason for that is
1: look i think it's really interesting that um for those who don't know already there's currently a ban on, on nuclear energy right. as country. We have nuclear medicine, like radiology and things like that, yep. and so the nuclear research facilities we have in Australia are directed to nuclear medicine, largely, yep. um, and the nuclear waste we have is largely from um, nuclear medicine. But we don't have nuclear energy as such. But we can look to places like France that had a large number of nuclear reactors mm. that didn't have nuclear accidents, didn't have three-headed frogs in their rivers not a or one. Um, Bart Simpson-like sort of nuclear rods bouncing down the street. It's quite
0: a good wine industry that <laughs> no one seems to balk at, you know, it's no not, it's not radi- they're not, they're not sending that. radioactive wine around, right?
1: And then they brought renewables into the mix and um, the cost of energy went through the roof. Mm. Um Nuclear energy was providing them with reliable, affordable energy. Yeah. Um, in a way that meant they very happily signed up to a lot of these international agreements that cause so much angst here, because yeah. energy for them was already near enough to zero emissions. It That's wasn't right. a big deal. Um, and so I mean the barriers here, I think, are there's a couple of layers. One, there is the legislative ban. Yeah. And I think there's value in us having a conversation as a country about. Just as a first step, Mm. lift lift the ban, Mm. right? Because if you lift the ban, then you facilitate investment and research. That's right. Um, Because the criticism that occasionally gets levelled against nuclear energy is that it's not commercial. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? If you lift the ban and it's not commercial, it won't develop. That's right. Um, Let the private sector work out whether or not it's commercial. Politicians aren't actually well placed to make these sorts of decisions. That's That's right.
0: That's right. We say that begrudgingly, but you're right. <laughs>
1: As it turns out, we don't actually know everything. That's
0: right. <laughs> I can't believe it. Can't believe
1: it. No, but it's true. Like we believe in government doing less. We believe yeah. in in private citizens and um and civil society. Yeah. And corporate society Let the more, market right? decide. Right. And they will work out whether or not um it's commercial. The safety issue is one that there's a role of government yep. for. Um and I think that's probably the real barrier mm-hmm. because the green lobby. Um, that just will not countenance this. Trades on the fear. Yep. And so an, until we can help people understand um, that nuclear energy has come a long way mm. since um, the kind of technology you think of when you think of Chernobyl or yeah. um, you know the, the Japanese um, accident of, of a few years ago. Yep. Um, until people understand that. The technology is kind of self-contained, yep. small, modular, quite flexible, yeah. um, well-suited to the dimensions we're talking about in this yeah, country. Remote
0: areas. I mean, you can't. You know, mining sites, for example, yep. and the ability to plug. I mean, these, these are very, very small um, units. These small modular reactors they're talking about, uh, and look, they're not. They're not. They're about to come online. Um, companies like New Scale in, in the United States yep. are looking at uh, rolling them out in the next few years. Um and there's a safety benefit that comes from these 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 items because a lot of the original um generation one, two and three reactors were bespoke. You know, they'd build them yeah. for need. Uh these are purportedly going to be um almost like off the shelf, you know. So you'll build a hundred of them rather than one. And therefore there are safety, uh, further safety um, implications that come with that as well. So Look, there's all sorts of, um, there's all sorts of uh, implications that, that, that come from this, but at the end of the day, I think you're quite right. I think safety is the issue that most people are concerned about. They see Chernobyl, they see Fukushima, uh, and there was Three Mile Island as well um, yeah. back in the 70s, I think. Um, the thing that people don't realise about all of this, and, and look, not to downplay this, people did lose their lives in um, Chernobyl, and uh, I actually can't tell you whether they did in Three Mile Island, but if you look at the same... Uh, scale for example with you know the coal industry um the numbers of people you know that have died as a result of other forms of production are almost you know um you know dwarfed by the amount that it actually you know nuclear power is very very safe in terms of um you know the the impacts from these incidents you know we're, we're talking a handful of people very tragic but you know these are not um, thousands and thousands of people that have perished as a result of these these incidents, you know, they're they're avoidable. Um, and I've often said, you know, comparing um, the reactors of Chernobyl um, to the modern day small modular or Generation Four reactors, you know, it's a bit like um, comparing an old, um, you know, Motorola phone flip phone from the nineteen eighties <laughs> or the brick phone, I mean, uh, to a modern iPhone. You know, they're just not the same technology. It's just not the same thing. Things have progressed. You know, so does it still have snake on it? Yeah, it would. It should. <laughs> and if it doesn't, you should be able to get it. So um, everyone remembers Snake. What a great game. So simple. But yeah.
1: It, it does um, – the, the modern ones that are modular yep. are also self-contained and, yep. and that removes the um, the human element, uh, the human error Yep. that That's right. can lead to safety problems yeah. and um, most of the difficulties that have been um, – the cause of accidents in the past have yeah. related to human error. Human error, that's right. And yeah. um, so the idea that they've almost made them self-contained mm. so that that risk is eliminated is, is quite exciting. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where this technology goes. Yeah, and really interesting.
0: And as you say, I think you, the point you make is a very valid one about allowing the market to do its thing. So, you know, there is an argument for governments removing the moratorium and letting the market see whether it works or not. There's, there's an argument that at the moment nuclear power is not cost-effective. Um, look, that may be true, but you know, at the end of the day, if you give the market the chance, it will tell you. And that's what we're not doing at the moment. And I think we're one of only about 15 countries in the world that still have some sort of artificial, you know, moratorium or block on generation of nuclear power. And we've seen countries like, I mean, the example that's always given, for example, is, is Canada, who who back in the 50s and 60s, I think, adopted a nuclear power um, course, and ever since then have in, you know, 60,000 jobs in high-tech nuclear uh, industry. Um, you know, their power costs are significantly cheaper than ours. Um, and they're, you know, a, a comparable country with comparable reserves. They're the second uh, highest uh, exporter of uranium. We're the third. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a, it's an interesting dynamic. And um, there have been many opportunities across um, the last few decades to do this, but the opportunity is still there, and, and particularly now um, – they, they, they say that a, a golf ball size amount of uranium is enough to power a person's entire lifetime of energy needs. So, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, high tech industries now. There's the ability to recycle fuel, you know. Um, one of the other issues with it is is what do you do with the waste? Well, um, the Royal Commission in, uh, in South Australia in 2015 pitched a very good case for considering my state, and I'm a big believer in this as an as a income generating industry, um, to build a storage facility to store that, that waste. And, you know, it can be reused and drawn down on in terms of the radioactivity to the point where you're almost at, you know, in a, in a few decades, you're almost at negligible levels of radiation. So I think, as you say, getting this information into people's heads and hands um, is the critical thing, because once you've made that connection, and you understand that this is zero emission safe uh, and available. Um, it becomes quite compelling.
1: I just think of those school students who you know are so anxious about what they think is the end of the world yeah. caused by emissions, yep. um, and there is this option mm-hmm. that isn't even being discussed. Yep, um, and we kind of owe it to ourselves as a country to. Give this a go. Um,
0: to at least talk about it.
1: Exactly. Uh, just just lift the bed and see what happens yeah. um, in circumstances where we've uh, led a, a well-informed conversation about this. That's right. Um, That's it really right. is interesting. and I mean, it's really interesting that as a South Australian, mm. um, you, know, you have Kimber. In your electorate, and that's sure. the site we, we for almost
0: do. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so.
1: And um, they look like they will have the um, nuclear waste facility that's yep. meant to sustain Australia for the next 100 years yeah. built there. Yeah. Um, but everyone talks about this in a kind of NIMBY way. Right. You know, not in my backyard, yep. yeah. But you're talking about it as something that's attractive, that's yeah. an industry that- should be cultivated and sought after.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Look, the Royal Commission touched on this, touched on the sort of money that you could uh, generate for the state, safely, I might point out. Um, And, you know, uh, as with all things... Politicians and royal commissions aren't good with numbers, as we've just said. You know, we know that. Um, you know, particularly me. Um, but um, it, you know, the numbers that were being thrown around were astronomical. We we're talking about over an eighty-year life cycle of this project, something in the order of, depending on who you believe, up to a hundred billion dollars in revenue, and the possibility, very importantly for South Australia, uh, of creating a sovereign wealth fund. You know, so in the order mm. of. You know, 400000000000 billion, they're talking... It's serious money here. Because there are other countries in the world that just don't have... They just physically don't have anywhere to put it. South Korea uses this technology. Has nowhere to... Because of their geological problems and stability, they don't have anywhere to put it. So... We're so
1: geologically stable. We're geologically
0: stable. We're politically stable. uh, And we've got tons of this stuff in the ground. I mean, it just... The stars align on this project um, better than ever. And particularly now when we're being told, you know, we're in the middle of a climate emergency, well... You and I've got a solution for them, don't we? So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, thank you very much for making time to. That's no, my uh, pleasure. Talk through this with me. Yeah. Um, I really do hope we can, as a party and as a country, because it would be really nice if there were um, people from other parties who thought similarly and were willing to do the same. Um, that we might try and get this moving because it really is. Um, it's worth it. It's, worth, it's, it's it.
0: worth it. It's worth talking about it.
1: Um. Before I let you go, Mm. I want to finish with something light and fun, right? Because... (laughs) Oh yeah. Anybody who knows you, (laughs) knows that's treated with a little bit of suspicion. You want to have fun? What do you want to have fun fun for? Talking serious (laughs) stuff here.
0: Talking nuclear power. There's no fun.
1: So if you've listened to um, the very small number Uh. of episodes of the podcast that have happened before, I finish up by asking a question about a favourite song of some sort. Right. Now, you and I are both children of the 80s. Mm. We're part of that sort of young...
0: Actually, I might be a child of the 70s, but I grew up in the 80s. Well, you grew up in the 80s, right? right?
1: Um, And we're part of that youngish... Cohort, yeah. In the parliament,
0: more you than me, but sure. <laughs> just own it, all right. Um,
1: so, what is your favourite song from the eighties?
0: Oh, look, I love the eighties. Um, <laughs> such a simple time. Reagan, <laughs> Thatcher. I mean,
1: Expo eighty
0: eight. Oh, uh, it was the best the bicentennial. We had everything. Um, if, look, I, there are lots. Uh, if I had to pick one, there is just because it, it, it's a certain sound. So I am going to go. I am going to go with Aha um, uh-huh, uh, and take uh, take on me. Oh, yeah, that is a good song. Take On Me. And it had a video with the sketches. I can't remember what it was about, but somehow (laughs) it involved going through walls and a bike and some guy with a monkey wrench.
1: And that guy that sang really had range.
0: Yeah, well.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. That's something about how cosmopolitan um, South Australia is. Um, I'm going to go with November Rain by Guns N' Roses, which I think kind of reveals. That's a rock ballad. I think it reveals just how bogan I am. But um, you know what? I'm going to own it. I love it. It's on the regular playlist it's and a great song. You just gotta own these things.
0: Uh, Axel <laughs> Axel from you know eighty nine. Yeah, well, and not, look <laughs> not two thousand and twenty Axel, just <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well I think uh like two thousand and I don't know, ten Axel kept yeah. Townsville waiting for like three hours yeah, for his concert, which forgive. was a little bit not. Ne- cool, they'll never forget. <laughs> But hey, at least you came to town.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Hey, I'm so lucky to count you um, as a friend and a colleague, and you're doing great work here. No. I'm so glad you're here. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you. For great to be here,
0: and thank you for looking after me. It's been, you know, like it, it, this is a this is a strange building to walk into for an outsider. I've spent my life in the private sector. I come into this building, and it's great. There's good. There's good people in here.
1: I'm glad you found it that way. It is. I still well. find it pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> there are. There's lots. It's a weird place, but we're very blessed to have the opportunity to say We are.
0: It's a real privilege and it's great to be here and thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for being on Just Quietly.